Hello, Beckys and Danas. This is your friend Tig. I cannot believe this, but for three seasons, three whole seasons, I've done my very best to help you resolve dilemmas, disputes, predicaments, pickles, conundrums, and of course, confessions. I have loved every minute of it, and I really want to thank everyone at APM Studios for giving me the opportunity to share all of my questionable advice with you wonderful, wonderful people. And now it's time that I tell you that this is actually the final episode of Don't Ask Tig. It is hard to believe that we have reached this place, but yes, it's true. It's the final episode. It has been such a pleasure to run into people and hear who has enjoyed the show, the help that they've gotten, or just even the laughs that they've had. (laughs) It's always, well, sometimes not surprising who is a fan of the show, but the people that surprise me that are fans, it's a whole other level of a pleasure. And I'm so thankful for all of my friends and the new friends I made that came on to the show. Oh my gosh, what a crazy ride it's been. I know this is a bit of a curveball, but you know, I can't tell you a month in advance that the show is ending, you know, because I don't want you to be listening and feeling like, oh no, we only have this many left and now it's just this and So here we are. But if you do want to re-listen to your favorite episodes, this Don't Ask Tig feed will still live on right here at American Public Media. So come back and visit from time to time. I know I will be. And of course, I'd love you to listen and subscribe to my new podcast, Handsome, which features me and my fellow comedians and friends, May Martin and Fortune Feimster. I'm going to be putting all of my podcasting energy into this new show. And I really hope that you come along and check it out and join us every week for a whole new load of nonsense and fun. It's a very different show. It's for sure a different show. But I think if you enjoy Don't Ask Tig, there's a really good chance that you'll enjoy Handsome. So head over there, check it out. And now, it's so crazy to say this, but here is one last episode of Don't Ask Tig. And I have to say, it's already one of my all-time favorites. And this is not a pat on my back, okay? But this is this is a good episode. So please enjoy Julia Louis Dreyfus. How can I not have an answer to that question? And I don't. Okay, well, that's completely fine. Edit that. Edit that out. Edit that no, out. No, we're going to we're going to loop that through the whole episode. <laughs> <laughs>
This is Don't Ask Tig. I'm Tig Notaro. And today's guest once said, quote, I have no agenda except to be funny. Today, we add giving questionable advice to that agenda. Oh, God. Joining me is an actor, comedian, and producer who is tied with Cloris Leachman as the most awarded performer in Emmy history. She is the recipient of the White House's National Medal of Arts and was named one of the 100 most influential people in the world by Time magazine. She recently starred in the films You Hurt My Feelings and Netflix's You People. Her new podcast is titled Wiser Than Me. Julia Louis-Dreyfus, welcome to Don't Ask Tig. Tig, yeah. thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. I have no advice for anyone. Should we end here? I, I, this, is, this is my advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, how would you possibly not have advice for anybody? I just find it hard to believe with all of your accomplishments. I don't know what to tell you. I, I'm, I'm not that intelligent. Do not talk about my friend like that. (laughs) Now, you have a podcast, Wiser Than Me. Yes, exactly. Wiser Than Me. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. I'm looking for wisdom. Okay. I'm on a search for wisdom myself. Yes. Yeah. You're kind of the other side of what this podcast is, I guess. Yeah. So tell me about the podcast. The podcast is a podcast in which I talk to women, Mm -hmm. older women, to glean their wisdom. The premise being that women, as they age, really become less and less visible in our culture, and they're less heard. And I think that that is an incredible mistake, Mm -hmm. and that older women who've lived full lives, and I mean, you know, women above the age of 70 and beyond— have a lot to share with us. It's like an untapped natural resource. So we're sort of having these conversations with women in their 70s and 80s and even 90s about what cliff notes can they give us so that we might benefit in our lives. Mm -hmm. It's sort of an earnest premise, but I'm down for it because it just appeals to me on a personal level. So when was that moment that you felt the inspiration of I need to talk to older women. I'll tell you exactly. I watched the Jane Fonda documentary on HBO Mm -hmm. called Jane Fonda in Five Acts. And I was so struck by the scope, the depth of her life Mm -hmm. and the influence of her life. Then I thought, why am I just really understanding this now? Why aren't we talking to more women like this to find out what they've done, where they've been, how they've done it? I wish there was a podcast like that. And then I thought, okay, I guess I have to do the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and have you, I'm assuming you've been enjoying it. The, the show's doing so well. Yeah, I am enjoying it. I mean, it, it's much more work than I ever anticipated. Yeah. There's a lot of research that goes into it because it's women from all over the place. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a little more time consuming than I considered. But other than that, I, I absolutely love it. I mean, it's been really eye-opening. So it's been nice. What's been one of the most eye-opening elements? Well, I spoke with Isabel Allende, who is, of course, the magnificent writer. And the way she characterized her life as she's in her 80s was so appealing. Mm -hmm. 
there was a kind of like no bullshit anymore mm-hmm. about and actually that's sort of a theme with all of the women that I talk to love it much less bull they'll <laughs> just say it like it is mm-hmm. and I really appreciate that yeah and it makes getting older seem very appealing <laughs> really I'm not kidding I mean Isabel's talking about her life in her 80s and yeah. what she does and how she's let go of this stress and that stress and she will not concern herself with any of these things anymore and I thought Isabel I cannot wait to be 83 years old you're making it sound so fabulous and I, I meant that legitimately meant it before I met my wife I used to think oh you know I'll probably die around 70 or something and that's fine and then I met my wife and she is so interested in living to be 100 years old. And Mm. I'm 15 years older than her. And her dream is that we die together. And I explained that that means I have to live to be 115. And she was like, you can do it. And I'm telling you, I am now so focused on living to be as old as possible, which was never an interest of mine. I mean, I truly was just like, yeah, you know, whatever happens. And then I'll, I've, I've lived a good life. But now I'm like, I got to get my sleep. I got to exercise every day. I got to eat healthy. I've got to release right. stress. I want to be with Stephanie when I'm 115. Yeah, yeah. And that creates a whole other level of stress. But my whole point is, do you have aspirations to, maybe that's kind of a dumb question, to, to live? live. <laughs> live. <laughs> no, does that interest you? I mean, like, yes, uh, yes, I, I would. I, I, yes, it does interest me. Living is very interesting. How dare to me you? And appealing. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, that is appealing. Yeah. What do you do to ensure your longevity? Not enough. Uh huh. But I'm very focused. Interesting, you should say I am very focused on sleep mm-hmm. and getting the right amount of sleep. Yeah. And I'm a huge exerciser. Mm-hmm. I think my diet is only okay. Uh-huh. to be honest with you. Now, Julia. Yes, Tig. What are your earliest memories of comedy and making people laugh around you? Mm. Were you always aware, oh, I'm I'm funny? Yeah, there was a culture of being funny in my family, for mm-hmm. sure, mm-hmm. and making jokes about things, mm-hmm. particularly at inappropriate moments, sure. you know, that kind of thing. That's yeah. our favorite, right? Yeah, yeah. I know you agree with me about that. I love an awkward moment. I love it. I love it, and I will milk it, <laughs> and don't take it from me. It's, uh, I love it. It's delish. It is. So there was that. Yeah. But I always wanted to be an actor, and I remember when I was little, I would go to bed, and then I would sit up in my bed, and I would be doing monologues. Like, I would be doing things from Funny Girl, mm-hmm. that movie. I loved it so much. And I loved Sound of Music. And I would be performing for myself on top of my bed in my nightgown for (laughs) Barbara Streisand and for Julie Andrews. It was a rarefied performance. Did they enjoy it? Both women really appreciated it. (laughs) (laughs) I even remember when I was in preschool. Mm -hmm. This is my memory. I can't imagine it went like this. But we, we would have to have nap time. And you would bring your blanket. I'm familiar. I would not take my nap time. What would I do? I would dance for the boys. (laughs) (laughs) I can't sleep at a time like this. The guys need me to move for them. I remember that. (laughs) We were different little girls. Yeah, Mm -hmm. let me hear. I mean, in so many ways, I can tell already. (laughs) 
in my head, my imaginary friend was Eddie Van Halen. And I used to play soccer. And in my mind, Eddie Van Halen pulled off the road from his tour with the whole tour bus and David Lee Roth and everybody to go check on me to see how my soccer was improving. Oh, that's so nice of him to reach out like that. It was so nice. We had never met and still never met. I mean, I know he passed, obviously. But yeah, in my mind, I was like, I just want to... I want to impress Eddie Van Halen with my soccer abilities. Well, I'm sure you did. Yeah, and I'm sure he was there. I'm sure he was oh, there. Yeah. I never turned around to look because I didn't want to scare him off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you were well aware that he was watching you. Oh, I was so he aware. Was watching. I was so aware. Isn't imaginary play when you're young, it's transformative, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it made me really work at soccer. Ah. And I didn't expect Eddie Van Halen to care so much about my soccer playing, but he did. There he was every time. Love him. God love him. God loved him. Everyone did. Is Tig a nickname or the name you were given when you were little at birth? Uh, My name that I was given when I was born was Mateel. Oh. That was my mother's name, too, and my grandmother's name. Oh, wow. But my, my grandmother went by Teal, and my mother went by Susie. And I went by Tig. I love it. <laughs> I do. It's, I love it. It's just a family name that everyone insisted on dragging along, but nobody would use. Is your family French? French, yes. There's some French in there for sure. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Some Irish, some Italian. Mathilde is a pretty name, but yeah. Tig is so fabulous. Well, thank you. People think it's my stage name, but it, it's it's not. It's a good one. No, my brother made it up. Mm. Now, we have a a segment on this show called Don't Ask Your Heroes. It's when our guests tell us who their hero is and what advice-related question they would want to ask them. And our mutual friend, Michaela Watkins, who stars in You Hurt My Feelings, the movie that I was so thrilled to get to watch a screening of, I don't know if you remember me sitting behind you, Julia. I keep trying to forget that you were there. No, I knew you were there like you knew Eddie Van Halen was there. Yeah. And I was delighted Mm -hmm. that you enjoyed it, for real. I was delighted by the film. I'm delighted by you. And God, do I love me some Michaela Watkins. When she was a guest on the show, she said you are one of her heroes. Oh, let's hear this clip of what she has to say about you. Okay. The first person that comes to mind is Julia Louis-Dreyfus. And the reason for that is because when I did my first sitcom, I was on New Adventures of Old Christine. And Mm -hmm. I always said to myself, if I ever am the lead of a show, I'm going to comport myself the way that Julia does. And I have had the luck of working with her multiple times. Oh, that's so nice. Yes. That's so lovely. How does it feel to be Michaela's hero? Well, it's marvelous. And Michaela is my hero. It's funny how our lives have sort of keep crossing because Mm -hmm. she and I were in Old Christine together. Mm -hmm. She was in Veep. She was in Enough Said, the first movie that I did with Nicole Hall of Center. By the way, she was so funny in Enough Said, Mm -hmm. Michaela was. But because there was a technical problem with the scene that we shot, we couldn't use her scene, Mm. which is such a shame because let me explain to you how funny it was. I could barely get through it. (laughs) She was making me laugh so hard. You know, she's she's deeply funny. She's deeply funny. Deeply funny. 
Yeah. So it was really a dream in this new film that we have out, You Hurt My Feelings, to play sisters because I feel like we have a bit of a history now working together. We're kind of like-minded and we both come from families of sisters. So we understand the dynamic of sisters, which is entirely different Mm -hmm. than the dynamic between friends, even the best of friends, I think. It's quite a different dynamic. So I was really very happy to have the chance to work with her. So she's my hero. She is so funny. Now we're going to transition into listener questions, okay? Okay. Are you ready to give some advice to my listeners? Oh, God. Can you do it? Yeah, I'm happy to just take it from here. We can drop the call. (laughs) (laughs) Julia. Yes. Our first question was sent to us by an embarrassed friend. Kat in Oklahoma writes, Hi, Tig. My friend Dave and I are in our mid-30s and have been friends since ninth grade. His parents own a beautiful lake house outside of town, and he never invited me down there until last year. I've been twice now. His parents are very kind and hospitable. However, Dave is so rude to them, (gasps) ignoring them, whining, mumbling. He has the attitude of a spoiled kid. He doesn't offer to cook, help with the dishes, or clean. In all our years of friendship, I had never seen him act like this. I love chatting with his parents, and I would love to go back, but may have to turn down the next invite because the secondhand embarrassment is too much. I'm considering telling him that he treats them poorly, but I worry about messing up our friendship. What should I do? So I do have advice. Oh, good. I have advice for Kat. And I would say, Kat, I know you're worried about messing up your friendship, but guess what? It's already messed up. Mm hmm. Good. So you need to talk to your friend who's behaving so badly mm-hmm. and explain to him that he needs to change his ways. Mm-hmm. You can do it kindly, but you should do it in a straightforward manner and he'll be the better for it, hopefully. And if he's not, then you know what you're dealing with. I'm all for it. Yeah. And the thing that came to mind is, you know, obviously you don't know the ins and outs of family dynamics. Sure. And so. I'm all for directly confronting your friend. But what I would personally do Mm. is say, I'm curious if there is some sort of old issues that you have with your family that's causing that. Because I had such a really nice time with your parents and it just seemed like you were on edge. And maybe that can open the conversation if he's like, yeah, well my dad does this or my mom did that and I have some, you know, hang up around this. And then you could maybe transition into, yeah, it was it was a little uncomfortable for me. Or if he's just like, oh, was I doing that? It's old, like, childhood. I, who knows? It would just open a conversation instead of just saying you can't do that. Oh, I agree completely. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I meant by kindly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> There's a way in that might be very fruitful for everybody. Yeah. Whether you make it current, like, oh, I don't know if you were maybe in an argument with them that weekend, or if you have old issues in the family, I just picked up that things didn't feel great. And I'm curious to have this conversation. I'm curious to know how that conversation goes, if she has it. Yeah. I'd like an update. Okay. Well, Kat, Dave may be rude, but you're very considerate writing in. And please call 
Julia directly and give her an update how things go after that conversation. Yep. Julia, stay right where you are. We'll be back with more questions after a short break. Hello, Jamila Jamil here. You may know me from my role in The Good Place or from She-Hulk or from social media and my activism. I Weigh basically started as a social movement and my podcast is one of my truly greatest achievements. It's a podcast against shame and a place for us to have really honest and truly inclusive conversations. I love connecting with people. I love learning. I have a lot to learn and I'm inviting you along with me. On I Weigh with Jamila Jamil, I have friends, activists, specialists and absolute heroes join me to teach me from their experience and expertise. People like Conan O'Brien, Jane Fonda, Roxanne Gay, Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Byer, Alok, Kelly Rowe, Roland, and more. I Weigh with Jamila Jamil has new episodes out every Tuesday and you can find the show on earwolf.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. You can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Macy's, Sephora, and Zappos. And even stack deals on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, it's Janae Desmond-Harris, aka Dear Prudence, and I want you to tell me about all your problems. Each week on Slate's Dear Prudence podcast, I'm here to tackle your questions about relationships, sex, work, family, and beyond, all with the help of an expert guest. We'll help you navigate it all, whether you're a teen dealing with parents, an adult looking to spice up your sex life, or you just need some validation that you're not losing it. We're here to listen and to offer some guidance. Need help? Just ask Prudy. New episodes every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Julia, this next question is about keeping the spark alive. Nikki writes, when it comes to suggesting sexy time, my husband... Oh, dear. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Julia just fell off her chair. My husband and I tend to follow an old pattern. We get a little raunchy, blunt, and sarcastic. It's kind of funny, but not actually a turn-on. What are some fun new ways for long-term couples to flirt with each other? (laughs) This is, Nikki, I have to say, such an odd, (laughs) I don't even see Julia anymore. She's under her table laughing. (laughs) This is a sex (laughs) advice show, is it? Well, I was going to say, I don't think I've ever gotten a question like this. Why are we getting this question? (laughs) Why? I don't know. I I don't know Nikki. I only know Nikki's problem. What What did she say? Raunchy? 
Yeah, she gets raunchy, blunt, and sarcastic. And it's not fun. Oh, no, it's kind of funny, but not a turn-on. But they're still powering through it? So it's not a turn-on, but they're still angling for sexy time. Yeah, yeah. Do we need to change... Sexy time? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Can we call it something else? Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. I mean, for me, that, I have to say... (laughs) Is a turn-off? Sexy time? Sexy time is not going to work for me. What do you call it? Uh, What do I call it? Plowing each other? Yeah. Getting down with a get down? Yeah. Getting Um, down with the get down, plowing each other across town. Yeah. Right. You know. Uh, Getting it on. Uh um, Our brains out. (laughs) Bumping uglies. Oh, my gosh. Now we're doing raunchy talk. If Stephanie walks by my office and hears me saying plowing you across town or bumping ugly, because she knows I'm talking to you right now. and she- Or our brains out. There's that, too. Till your head pops off is, right. is another one. That sounds good. Maybe that's what it is. It's all rooted in finding a new word for sexy time. I think it's semantics. Nikki, if you were to say to your husband... Look, I'm going to plow you across town until your head pops off. If that does if not that wor- doesn't yeah, work, nothing will. Nothing will. That should, I think that'll work. Nikki, everyone gets a little raunchy, blunt, and sarcastic once in a while, but it's good to mix it up. No more sexy time. No more sexy time, Yeah, but more plowing to your head pops off time. How about that? <laughs> plowing to your head pops off. <laughs> Julia... This next listener question comes from an anonymous listener who we'll call Megan. Megan writes, I am a divorced woman in my early 40s, and I am attracted to my boss's boss. I see him infrequently, but when I do, I feel like there's a mutual interest there. I will be leaving my job in a few months to go to law school, and I'm wondering how I can make a move. I know that he's divorced, but I don't know if he is currently single. I will most likely see him at a company-wide event soon, but I don't know how to let him know I'm interested. The best I can come up with is to slip him a note. Help. Julie is shaking her head frantically. I don't know. Slipping a note is the way to do it. Mm -hmm. Does Megan know about sexy time? (laughs) (laughs) Plowing plowing across town till your head pops off? Yeah. How did you get together with your husband? You didn't slip him a note? No, I didn't slip him a note. Mm -hmm. But I could tell he liked me and he rubbed my feet once. We were in a show together and he rubbed my feet and, and I really, I just dug him a lot. And then we played <laughs> tennis. I'm not kidding. And then we played tennis a couple of times and I was just immediately smitten. I hope he rubbed your feet after the tennis game. Oh yeah. He rubbed plenty of things <laughs> and it all worked out good. So did somebody invite someone to play tennis Because there was an attraction? Yes. I can't use my example because Stephanie and I met on the movie In a World. We played love interests, and now we're, like, married with kids and with a production company and three cats. Wow. So I can't promise that outcome for everyone. But what about tennis? But what about tennis? Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> so what about Megan at the conference? Uh huh. Do they have a tennis court? Can't she say, "Hey, you want to? You want to? Do you got? Do you play tennis, boss of my boss? Would you like to hit the ball around? See what happens. Hit the balls around. You got it. Let's say Megan does not play tennis. Ah. Uh. And then maybe he says, "Yes, let's play tennis." Then Megan, you say, "Great." Please teach me. Exactly. And then it's so obvious that you like him. But even saying, let's play tennis. And then the other, if he's like, oh, I don't know how to play, then you say, nor do I. So would coffee be better? Huh? Oh, nice. What about that smooth move? Yes. I like it. (laughs) Megan, I'm excited. Or just drop it off at nor do I. That is sexy time right there. And then do the eyebrows up and down. Right? Okay. And then make this noise. (laughs) And then ride off on your horse. (laughs) And never exchange numbers. Just ask him to play tennis. Get on your horse and be like, (laughs) and then leave. Okay. I don't think there's anything else we could... This is surefire. Yeah. (laughs) Someone's going to be pregnant soon. Okay. (laughs) Now, Julia. Yeah. On a more serious note... You were diagnosed with breast cancer in 2017. Correct. And in 2018, announced you were cancer-free. Our last listener question is from a listener who is in the midst of their own experience with breast cancer. Deirdre writes, Dear Tig, you've made me laugh and cry and cry with laughter more times than I can count. I'm writing to you because I was recently diagnosed with breast cancer, and soon I'll be having a bilateral mastectomy. I'm scared and overwhelmed. It would mean the world to me if you wouldn't mind sharing some wisdom with a fellow traveler. Well, first of all, I am very sorry that you're going through this, and it is scary. I mean, I was scared. I, you know, personally had... Also, a buildup of other things going mm-hmm. on in my life at the time. And I, it was such a confusing... <sighs> I always tell people that if, it feels like you have to have a medical degree to understand everything that you're going through. And I hope that you are bringing somebody with you to your appointments, because I think having that kind of support is really, really helpful to take notes to be by your side. And also, I just want to really encourage people, and I know not everyone's like this, but it was such a turning point in my life because I was so shut off. I was so not really open to other people's help. And I truly left the hospital with these incisions in my chest, like, I'm good. I can take care of myself. And my friends are like, we're staying the night. We're staying with you. And I, I was like, no, 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 I got it. And I couldn't even lift my arms. And But opening myself to help and people want to give and they want to give back and they want to help. And it's such an unbelievable experience to accept help. And again, this might not be an issue for you, Deirdre, but if it is, what I can say is make yourself open to accepting help from others because it makes everyone feel better through this process. And it changed my life fully. And Julie, I don't know if there's anything that you want to add from your own experience or... 
Well, I certainly agree with everything you've just said. And sometimes accepting help is a challenge of itself. Yeah. And having an advocate there is a must. And a lot of hospitals actually have advocates that can help you through the process at the hospital if you don't have a friend or family member. I would also say that I was just so terrified to have my surgery, and now it's in the rearview mirror. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So this too shall pass. You will get through it. Mm -hmm. And let's just get the cancerous tissue out so you can get on with your life. Yes. So believe it or not, it will get better, even though it feels daunting as hell right now. Mm -hmm. But it's definitely a very scary thing. There's just no getting around it. Yeah. And I would say as scary as it was, I still think back to the day that I was diagnosed as a positive in my life Mm. because it was caught Ah. and because I was able to turn the ship around. Right. And I celebrate July 25th every year where I'm like, Ah. that is my cancer diagnosis date. And that Mm. is when everything changed. I mean, everything was changing already with so many other things, but I... I really, really feel tremendously lucky that I was able to have treatment. I could go on forever about it, but I just want to say if, if there's a way to to look at things in that way, yeah. that you've been able to catch this and that you're getting medical treatment. And you're getting rid of it. Yeah. You're getting rid of it. I think that's a very important point. Right. So Deirdre, Julia and I are in your corner Be sure to keep us updated on how you're doing. Julia, we have one last segment before I let you go. Okay. This is advice of yesteryear. When Jerry brags about taking Ginny out, he learns that she dates all the boys. So as we see now, menstruation is just one routine step in a normal and natural cycle How do you choose a date? Well, one thing you can consider is look. I did everything you said, but my boss still hasn't asked me to lunch. On Advice of Yesteryear, we take a person's problem that they sent to an advice columnist long ago Hmm. and try to give a better response. This question from a reader calling themselves, quote, an old-fashioned mother has the headline, Obscene Humor Repulsive in Women, and was sent to advice columnist Dorothy Dix in April 1936. Oh, whoa. An old-fashioned mother writes, What do you think of a mother whose sense of humor causes her to relate jokes of such obscenely revolting nature as to make even a man blush? She indulges in this barroom in the presence of her sons and daughters and their girlfriends and boyfriends. Her daughters do not seem to be embarrassed by it, but their boyfriends visibly suffer. Interesting. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts or feelings about this? Are you an old-fashioned mother? Uh, I'd like to hang with that lady (laughs) who's making all the obscene comments. (laughs) Uh, I think she sounds like a gas and a half. And yeah, it sounds like her daughters dig her as well as Uh they should. Yeah, She's body. Uh She's uh, in your face. She's got an opinion. Mm. And you can f*** off if you don't get it. And I'm with her. (laughs) I am with her. (laughs) 
Okay. Do you agree with me about that? <laughs> of course. I mean, I was raised by a mother who told me to tell everyone, everyone around me to go to hell if they have a problem with me. And that just like... Nice. I did not have an old-fashioned mother. Susie pulled through for you. Yeah. Wait. Yes, Susie. I was like, wait, that's your mother. I, yes, isn't it? it is. I thought that. Hello. I I know my mother. I thought that you were randomly pulling a name out of the sky, and I thought, well, that's now, insane. Let me explain something to you. I listen to other people when they're talking. You know, <laughs> okay, a, I don't, and so I hear what they say. <laughs> and I was, I did ask you earlier yes. in the conversation. Okay, what's my grandmother's name? name? Matteo, and she went by Teal. It was Teal. Yeah. My goodness, Julia. So I'll be expecting an invitation to Thanksgiving dinner. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanksgiving dinner with who? Susie, Teal. It, they're gone. Oh, so bless. enjoy Thanksgiving alone. <laughs> I'm an adult orphan. Okay, so do you want to hear what Dorothy Dix had to say to an old-fashioned mother back in 1936? You bet. I'm afraid I cannot give an impartial opinion, as I loathe filthy stories and always feel as if I need to be run through the laundry when I have been forced to listen to them. To me, a woman who tells obscene stories is common, vulgar, low-minded, and utterly repulsive. The end. Well, let me tell you what Dorothy Dix needs. A little sexy time. <laughs> she, needs she needs to be. She, she needs some raunchy. across town till yes. her head pops off. A hundred percent. Yes. That that woman needs a good old fashioned lay. That's yeah. A, yeah. That's a good what plowing. I think. Mm-hmm. A good plowing to her head. Oh. I didn't see this episode going the way it did with such a no, sex no, vibe. I know. It's yeah. insane. It's it's truly vulgar. I know. Julia, it was an unbelievable dream come true to have you on here. Oh, thank you. Love you dearly. Appreciate you dearly. Back at you. I appreciate you tremendously. And I'm hoping that perhaps we'll find a way to get together. I would love it. Well, I have your email, so I'll email you. Please, please leave me alone. Please okay, leave me alone. Sorry to bother you. Do you have anything you'd like to promote? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, you're a terrible person. How does it feel? It feels great. I like being this <laughs> vulgar and raunchy and offensive. It appeals to me. I guess this episode made it clear that I'm not old enough or wise enough to ever be on your show, but I'll still email you. Well, when you're 115, (laughs) right before you pass, (laughs) I'll have you on. When you're 110. No, I'm older than you. I know. I know. Oh, you're just trying to be nice. I am. Didn't work. That was my attempt. Julia, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'll see you soon. Yeah, you better. Bye. Bye.
Don't Ask Tig is hosted by me, Tig Notaro. It's produced by Thomas Willette and Shayna Deloria. Our executive producer and editor is Beth Perlman. Engineering and sound mixing by Alex Simpson, Derek Ramirez, Josh Savageo, and Evan Clark. Digital production by James Napoli. Talent booking by Marianne Ways. Our theme music is Friend in Tig by Edie Burkell and Kyle Crusham. And Listen to Your Heart by Edie Brickell. Special thanks to Hunter Seidman. APM Studios executives in charge are Chandra Kavadi, Alex Schaffert, and Joanne Griffith. Concept developed by Tracy Mumford. Our executive consultant is Dean Capello and Gobsmack Studios. You can always ask for advice at don'tasktig.org. Just write in with your problem or send us a voice memo. Remember to follow us on social media at Don't Ask Tig. Don't Ask Tig is a production of American Public Media. And as always, thanks, Dana, and I'll tell Becky. I'm stand-up comedian and sex symbol Tig Notaro. And I'm actor and writer Cheryl Hines. Before Cheryl and I got into the big business of podcasting together, (laughs) we were just simply friends. And we're still friends. But now we talk about a different documentary every week on our podcast, Tig and Cheryl, True Story. So whether you love documentaries or just want to hear us slowly lose our minds, check out Tig and Cheryl, True Story, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, cool. (laughs) 